Are you a mom who struggles with self-doubt? Do you, like me, feel guilty and ashamed when you yell at your kids? If so, you are not alone. Social media and mainstream entertainment gaslight us every day with images of perfect, patient, adoring moms who make motherhood look easy. This makes us think there must be something wrong with us, when in reality, motherhood is much harder than it looks. This week, my guest, Sue Holt, a life coach for moms, shares insights and strategies to help moms feel more confident and less overwhelmed. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Imposter Syndrome Files. My name is Kim Menninger, and as an executive coach and former high-tech leader, my personal mission is to help women and others overcome imposter syndrome and advance your career with confidence. Each week, I interview a new guest to share how they've navigated self-doubt to achieve success. The more we share our stories, the more we destigmatize imposter syndrome, recognize that we're not alone, and empower ourselves to access the tools and resources that can help us. Thank you so much for listening and sharing. Sue, I'm so excited that we're finally here today. I would love to start by inviting you to introduce yourself. So hello, Kim. I'm so excited to be here. I've been looking forward to this conversation. And um, I am Sue Hole. I am the founder of Mommy's Life Coach. Um, I also am a mother of four. And um, I was, I still kind of um, identify as a stay-at-home mom. I've been a stay-at-home mom for the past 16 years. Um, so yeah, that's my, can you tell us a little bit more about your journey? How did you get to start your business? What were you doing before? Yeah. So, um, I was a, um, like I said, stay-at-home mom. Um, I, I had, three children in three years, um, and two miscarriages. And then three years later, I had my fourth son. Um, I was, um, exhausted to say the least, (laughs) um, physically and mentally. Um, I really lost myself. I really did not know who I was anymore. Um, so I was in a mom's group. And there was a woman that came and talked to us about just writing our five-year goal. And I just started to cry and shake. And like, I don't even know what I want to do in five years. I I, I don't even know what I'm doing now. I'm, I'm just, I feel like a horrible mom. I'm just a mess and yelling all the time. And um, so I thought, I want to be this woman. I want to be a life coach that helps moms because um, I, I, I just felt so overwhelmed to the point of like exhaustion. And I also ended up in the hospital for um, a couple of days. I had no range of motion in my back. Um, I think it was due to living on sugar and coffee <laughs> and um, it just being like, just, just, just the physical demands of it all. Um, just kind of, uh, I, I, my body just was like, nope, we can't do this anymore. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. we need to shut down. So, um, yeah. So then I just kind of made it, uh, like a mission so that we need to, um, talk about the 
self-doubt that moms experience, um, especially, um, I say, I'm a, a coach that helps moms who yell at their kids. <laughs> um, so, uh, <laughs> and everyone says that. <laughs> so I'm like, great, I'm not alone. Um, yeah, so, um, and there's just so much shame in that because we think, oh God, I'm such a bad mom. Like, and And there's so many, there's so many clues or, or, or I don't want to say clues, maybe like um, there's so many things in society that, that teaches us that, or tells us that moms are supposed to not yell at their kids and they're supposed to be compassionate and they're supposed to be patient. And they're, and they're like, I mean, if you watch any movie, like no kids are being yelled at, you know, and, and my kids are like, yeah, mom, that's nothing like you, you know, <laughs> but um yeah. And I just, I just find like the more that we talk about it, the less shame we have around it, the less guilt we have. And, um, and I also try and, um, well not try, but part of my coaching is that we talk about ways to manage it. Um, and we call it mom rage. So, um, so yeah, so that's how I got into it. I think that was a really long-winded, um, answer, but <laughs> Perfect. I think that you have set us up nicely for an important mm-hmm. conversation because just the way you described that makes me think about more generally the reason for putting this podcast together. Because I think that when we look around and we see these very carefully curated versions of other people, and mm-hmm. whether that's on social media or just even in our workplaces or our communities where people don't generally lead with the bad stuff, right? And so Mm -hmm. we think everyone else has it all figured out. Everyone else is doing this so much more gracefully, so much better than I am. There must be something horribly wrong with me. And so when you said moms who yell at their kids, right? Like I was like, oh, thank God. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I think that's probably, you know, some hidden secret that so many Mm -hmm. of us as moms have. We feel terrible that we do it, but how do you not, right? We live in these mm-hmm. really stressful worlds. The last two years have been utter chaos. And mm-hmm. how I don't know how you survived homeschooling and all that that entailed without getting frustrated. Like you, you cannot be this picture of patience that's expected when life is upside down and you have no idea what you're doing. So <laughs> exactly. And I mean, in the past two years, we've been um, becoming, um, homeschool teachers, which we never thought we would be. Uh, I never, I was actually a teacher, (laughs) even worse teaching my own kids. (laughs) Um, so we never thought that we never thought, um, you know, as although we, a lot of women were not, or I mean, and men, no one was really in the workforce. We were all home at that time, but the demands, of motherhood wasn't really, um, you know, we still were cleaning up the kitchen. We still were, um, doing all the household chores plus being a teacher plus doing our jobs and then plus becoming burnout. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So can you say more about your approach to mom rage? (laughs) Yes. So, um, yeah, I think number one is talking about it takes away the shame. 
it takes away the power and it takes away that guilt that you feel, right? Um, so telling a friend. Now, it's not something like you're not going to drop off your kid in the car line and be like, I just screamed at him because he didn't put his shoes on for five minutes, you know? That never really happens, right? So finding a, a you know, someone we love, like, and trust <laughs> um, to uh, just, you know, admit it. It, admit it, not admit it, but just talking about it mm-hmm. is um, let's go of the shame. And then number two, um, I'm finding the more and more moms that I talk to that feeling of mom rage comes and people describe it as, and this one woman described it and it was like, perfect. It feels like a bottle that's being shaken. And then the neck of the bottle is about to explode. And that's how you feel. Then you open up the cap and then it, then it, then it's like an explosion. Right. So we're talking about throughout like our, um, in our coaching sessions, what is getting us to that point, right? We don't just wake up and feel that, Mm -hmm. right? What's getting us there? So finding out your triggers and for, I would say 90% of the moms is there's not enough me time, Um, especially moms of little children. Um, One woman would say, um, and I'm sure we've all done this. We lock ourselves in the bathroom for five extra minutes when they're little, because you're just like, I just need five minutes, you know? Um, so figuring out ways throughout the day or throughout the week or throughout your life that you are able to have me time and throughout different stages of the mom game, it's, it's going to look different. You know, now my kids are a little bit older, so I can take an hour to myself, right? When they were younger, 15 minutes, was huge. Right. (laughs) And, um, and even in those 15 minutes, I was so physically tired. So just, I mean, I think I would just stare at the wall for 15 minutes. Right. Mm -hmm. And that was okay. Um, you know, now my me time's a little different, maybe going to a workout class or, you know, something more a massage or something that I'm able to do more, but, um, really focusing on when you're feeling like you're about to explode, then what is triggering it? And definitely nine times out of 10, it's not enough me time that you're taking for yourself. So, um, yeah. It sounds like there's a proactive and I'm sure a reactive approach to this, right? So it sounds like if you're in this situation, then you're probably not getting enough of that space. And if you were to create more time for yourself, there'd be less of that. Right. Getting to that point. Yeah. And then it's like a vicious, vicious cycle. Like you, you're not doing that. And then you feel like, you know, that then it's like a snowball, you know, Mm -hmm. and then by the end, you're just like, and then mom rage, and then you're freaking out and yelling at everybody, right. (laughs) Losing it. A lot of people, a lot of moms like that term. Um, So it's almost like trying to prevent it. Now, when we're doing that, we also need to set up boundaries, delegate, prioritize, set your values, know your values. What do you value? Do you value integrity? Do you value authenticity? Do you value health? Um, if those are the cases, then boundaries need to be set throughout the day. And also remembering that you are 
and you're still a, I don't want to say still, but you're still a good mom. If you take time for yourself, Mm. we don't have to be everything. We don't, we, we can't because when we are, that's when, that's when we just, you know, feel that bottleneck explosion and we lose it. Right. So also I don't want to say lowering expectations because, you know, you always want to have like a, you know, a, a high expectation of yourself, but unrealistic expectations is huge. A lot of moms that experience mom rage are also perfectionists themselves. Not so much they're perfectionists for their children. They want their children to be perfect, but they have unrealistic expectations for themselves. I remember when I had my fourth son and I had, so I had a six-year-old, a four and a half-year-old and a three-year-old. And then I was nursing every, you know, 25 minutes, it felt like. Um, And then you know, the amount of things that I thought I could get done in a day was absolutely unrealistic. Like, there's no way you're going to take all four of them to the food store, you know, and and get everything on your list. There's just no way it's going to happen. So um, yeah, that's a huge one, setting realistic expectations Um, and being self-aware of them. Like, you know, if I take all four of them to Target at 12 o'clock, they're going to want the hot dog, right? (laughs) (laughs) They're going to want to eat something. They're going to, you know, so just, um, yeah, just, just being realistic and and knowing kind of, um, what's going to (laughs) happen. Yeah. Because yeah. (laughs) It sounds like there's, although it, it's probably easier said than done in the moment because there is so much just, we're also frazzled right now, but it sounds like one of the things that you're saying is to plan ahead and be mindful of the rhythms of your children's schedules and lives Mm -hmm. too, right? To that point, don't take them somewhere during lunchtime and expect that they're not going to be cranky or hungry or. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) definitely. Yes. I remember taking, um, taking them to the food store and, uh, this woman would, uh, she was one of the clerks and she came up to me and my newborn was screaming cause he was hungry, you know? And she like, looked at me, she's like, so what are you doing? <laughs> like, what are you doing? Bringing them now at lunchtime? I'm like, I know, but we needed food. And you know, so, um, yeah, definitely planning things out and setting realistic expectations. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned boundaries, which I think is such an important part of this conversation. And I think it's something that many of us struggle with in lots of different areas of our lives. Like what do boundaries look like to you? So, um, that is a great point. And, and I do think that I feel like boundaries are kind of, it, they tend to get like, and it, it, everyone talks about them all the time and it kind of gets like, okay, boundaries, but, um, it's overused, I guess what I'm trying to say. Um, so setting boundaries, um, may look like, for example, so, um, yes, I can probably drive my 16 year old to his girlfriends at seven 30. However, (laughs) at seven o'clock, I planned on um, getting together with a bunch of, say, you know, hockey moms. He's a hockey player. So, um, and 
you know what, Michael? No, I want to use his name. Oh, I should, <laughs> you know what? I can't drive you there, hon. I, I, I've set this and, and this is what I'm doing, you know? And, and people say like, oh, you have to put yourself first, but let's be real. When you're a mom, you, you don't, but you also need to be in the equation of your family, right? Not, not everybody else is first and then us right? We're all equal and we're all in, in the same equation. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, you know, realistically, right. Like we said before, um, yeah, being a part of the equation and, you know, doing things that you do want to do too, doesn't make you a bad mom. You know, if you, you know, like to go out with your girlfriends on Thursday night, then, then you should go out with your girlfriends on, on, Thursday night doesn't mean you're a bad mom. Um, and just kind of giving yourself like a break, you know, you don't have to be everybody for, uh, you don't have to be everything for everybody all the time. Um, I think a lot of us get like this. I did anyway, like I have to do everything for them. Like I can't even ask my husband for help. Mm -hmm. I can't ask my mom for help because my mom didn't have help. So she had to do it all. So I have to do it all. And it's like, no, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have to do it all. Yeah. yeah I think that's an, a really important piece too, is the asking for help. Because mm. I remember when I was pregnant with my older son thinking, I'm going to make this look easy, right? I'm not going to be one of those moms that says she hasn't been able to take a shower all week. Like I'm going to be able to do this. Right. And so mm-hmm. I was so exhausted and just so, and I had postpartum depression with my older mm-hmm. son too, that I didn't treat because I didn't want to go on medication because I knew I wanted other children. And so it was just like this unnecessary emotional and physical stress. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to ask for help. I was like, I'm going to rock this whole mom thing, right? Like my husband's going to think I'm a superhero. And so I didn't ask for help. And then then when my younger son was born five years later, because we had a bunch of miscarriages too, I was like, I didn't, I never got a medal (laughs) for doing this. I'm like, all right, your turn. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Your schedule is this, this, right. And so And it's made such a difference. I'm like, why did I torture myself? So we think that there's some kind of, I don't know what it is, like bragging rights or pride that comes with doing things on your own. But that's not throughout our civilization. That is not how families have gotten to where they are, right? I mean, in more recent times, if you think about it over a longer period of time, generally speaking, more recently, we've become more independent. But for most of our human experience, we have leveraged our family members and our communities to help raise our children. And now we think that there's something really, um, you know, I don't know, special about doing it on your own. Why, why do we do that to ourselves? You're so true. Oh my gosh. I had a conversation with my grandmother. So she had six children and, um, I remember I said to her, Oh my gosh, granny, like, how did you do it? How did you have sex? And she's like, she was like real tough and funny. She's like, ah, we didn't play with our kids. Like you did. She's like, (laughs) (laughs) she's like, your uncle Patrick, 
he's he lived his life in the pack and play or the playpen till he was about five. And she's like, you know, and she goes, you know, everybody helped out like, you know, Mrs. Um, O'Brien down the street. She would feed them lunch if the kids were there or someone would watch them while you would go food shopping. And and it, she's like, it really was a community. We really relied on on everyone else. Um, so and I think you're right. I don't think we do that now. No. And, and I, I think it's partly probably the way we live, right? Because we spread out and, you know, not everyone lives near family or has the kind of relationships that they can rely on for that kind of support. But also I do think that the perfectionist piece is really important too, especially if we're moms who have before we had kids had some kind of a, you know, whether it was academically, we really pushed ourselves or we pushed ourselves in the workplace. It's hard to let that go. And now when you have children, that's like the next arena that you want to excel in. Yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, yes, I was a teacher before I had children and it was funny. I was talking to a client of mine and she was a teacher as well. And I put so much pressure on myself because I actually thought like, oh, well, I was a teacher. Like, I'm going to just, I'm going to be so great at this. You know, I'm going to be the best mom ever. I'm, I'm, my kids aren't going to watch TV. My kids are going to do this. And, and like, whoa, yeah. (laughs) School did not, um, it definitely doesn't help you get up in the middle of the night and nurse your child. Right. Like (laughs) you don't get prepared for that part of it. Um, but yeah. And I think judgment too, is a big thing with moms. Um, I, I do say to my clients, like, you know, like, well, I feel like, you know, I I'm, I'm being really judged and I'll say like, um, you know, with all due respect, <laughs> do you feel that you're judging other moms as well? Cause mm-hmm. when you feel like you're judging other, or when you feel like you're being judged, a lot of the times is you're judging other moms and we've all done it. I have certainly done it. And then, you know, my kids do the same thing and you're like, Oh, (laughs) sorry. I said that. I mean, I would never say it out loud, you know, but, but it's, 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 um, yeah, that moms are judged a lot, whether they work from home, they stay at home. Um, and it's a, it's a silent kind of a judge, right? It's like a, you know, a little, little, little look at like the PTA meeting or, and, um, yeah, it's tough. Excuse me. It's, um, you know, nobody wants to feel like a bad mom. Right. And, and when another mom thinks that you're a bad mom, or you think that another mom thinks you're a bad mom, it's like, Oh, like then, then you really like, it's, it's like right to the heart. Right. So, um, yeah, I just encourage moms to, to not judge other moms as much. (laughs) And then, yeah, because then, you know, the less you judge, then the less judgment you will feel. So, so true. Yeah. It is Mm -hmm. an easy trap to fall into when you already Mm -hmm. feel shame and guilt. Well, at least there's somebody who's doing it worse than I am. Right. Yeah. Kind of get self-righteous about that. And it's Mm -hmm. not helpful because to your point, then you feel more judged. You don't, it doesn't make you feel better. It might make you feel better in that moment, but it's not a strategy that's sustainable. Mm -mm. 
definitely not. I what you're saying too about your grandmother, because I think (laughs) this is a really important point and maybe something that we can all take a little perspective from. My mom didn't sit on the floor and play with, she was a stay at home mom for, you know, much of my childhood. She didn't sit on the floor and play with us all day long. I mean, I do think we have different expectations of what parenting looks like these days than our parents did or our grandparents did. The hands-on nature of parenting these days, especially at a time when moms are busier than ever, mm-hmm. is unfortunate, right? Because I think it's setting setting a bar that's impossible to meet. Yeah. I agree. And I also um, just want to go back to the, say you saying that your mom was a stay-at-home mom. So um, um, I was a stay-at-home mom and I felt this immense amount of pressure to be the absolute best mom I could be because I was quote unquote lucky enough to stay home. So Every I thought that my house had to be spotless all the time. I thought that I had to be like the picture perfect mom, like, and I had to be, you know, um, I had to work out and I had to make smoothies for all the kids because healthy moms make healthy smoothies for their healthy kids. And, um, you know, and it was a facade because I was like breaking down like physically and mentally. Like I, there, I just could not keep up with the pressure of it all. And, um, yeah, like, uh, I don't remember my mom ever playing with us. No, we're making <laughs> ever. No, 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 no. It was peanut butter and jelly, whether yes. you liked it or not. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Very simple. Or with, you know, that, like you said before too, like the neighbor's parents would feed us if we were down the street during the day. I mean, it just wasn't, we weren't expecting fine dining at every meal and weren't expecting their undivided attention at every moment. It's just a Mm -hmm. different time. And I also think too, that we were, uh, we were able to, because our parents I don't want to say didn't play with us, but, um, they, it wasn't their job to entertain us. Mm -hmm. I think that we were able to entertain ourselves and, and not be so quote unquote, like bored. Like my grandmother would say, if you would say I'm bored, she'd say, Oh, boring people are get bored. must be boring. (laughs) You know, like, Oh gosh. But like my kids now will be like, Oh, I have nothing to do. And I'm like, you have plenty to do, you know? So I think we kind of, it's kind of a disservice for our kids because they, they don't know how to entertain themselves. Right. They have, they have to learn that, you know, we can't always be their their source of entertainment. And I'll say to my kids now that they're older, like, I am not your social director. I am not like, you know, can this one come over? Like they're off today. And it's like, Oh, can we go to trampoline park? Like, no, (laughs) you know, no, I don't have, I have a podcast interview today and I have a client and like, um, you know, find something to do. Yeah. So very true. Wait, my older son is turning 12 this month and we live in this neighborhood that it it makes me sad sometimes because I look at our neighborhood, which is full of kids of different ages. They don't know each other. My, my son got off the bus the other day and I was like, Oh, who's that kid? I was like, I don't know. He didn't know his name. And I thought we would have all been playing together. It would have been something where it didn't matter what, how old you were, you would have all played together. They don't play outside. They play on the computer. They, he watches YouTube. His best friend lives three houses down. One time we had them over 
my husband sent them outside. He didn't want them in front of the TV anymore. They didn't know what to do. They stood outside the window and just stared at my husband because they needed direction on how to play. You know, and I think it's so true. We have created this world where they don't know how to independently entertain themselves. And it's really a disservice to them, as you said. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. (laughs) So funny. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm sure there are a lot of people listening who are nodding their heads and thinking, thank God, I'm not the only one. Is there <laughs> is there anything else that you would suggest that we do as frazzled moms or, uh, you know, just trying, trying to cope with the realities of the experience? I definitely think um, like there's so much hype about like self-care, self-care. Um, I also think a you know, we have to buy a candle and then like, that's our self-care. Like, (laughs) you know, I think what um, moms really do need is to practice self-compassion. You know, giving yourself a break, like, you know, talking to yourself, like, you know, some of the books will say like, talk to yourself, like you would a baby, like, I don't know about that, but talk to yourself as, as if you would talk to your best friend, right? Like, for example, the other night, my daughter was done dance at eight. I was in the middle of work, completely forgot. And she like calls me at like eight 15. Like, are you coming? I'm oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I forgot, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then the whole time I'm like, I'm such an idiot. Like, how can I forget that? Da, 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 da. She's, she's there all by herself. She's a young girl. God forbid, you know? Mm-hmm. And now if my girlfriend, my best friend called me and said, oh, I forgot, I forgot to pick up Matt, you know? would I say to her, you're such an idiot. I can't believe you forgot. No, no. You know, so talking to yourself, like, Sue, of course you forgot. You have a lot going on. Why is she dancing until eight o'clock at night anyway? You know, No, but um, just like giving yourself a break and, and kind of talking to yourself the way you would talk like to your best friend. Um, That's a really important point too. Yeah. I mean, one of the things too, that I think about is we all grew up without parents who played with us at every turn and we turned out okay. Right. I think, you know, if you think about it from that perspective too, kids are very resilient. They don't have the same expectations of us that we have of us. I think that, you know, while we joke about the fact that, you know, our kids are going to be in therapy because of the things that we do, right. There's plenty of stuff that they'll be in therapy for that we have no control over. I don't think that not playing with them 24 seven or entertaining them or giving them smoothies and healthy food at every meal right, is, is going to be one of those things, right? I think yeah. kids, kids grow up, they have their own lives and form their own values and everyone's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, it's true. Yeah. And as, and, and I, I do say this to moms all the time, mom, like kids do not need a perfect mom. Mm. They just need you. They don't like you were given that child, whether it was biologically or not for a reason, that's what they need. They don't need to see the picture perfect mom. They need, they need to see the real mess of life and they need to see that you are a real person. And, you know, guess what? I can't like do it all. Like you know, they need to see also like you enjoying yourself, you know, they, they really need to witness that. And I was like miserable when I wasn't showing them that and they didn't need to see the miserableness, you know, <laughs> like it came out, you know, still does not saying it 
gone. <laughs> but um, yeah, so uh, that's powerful too. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a really powerful way to to think about it. Is they want the real you, right? They don't mm-hmm. want the curated you. And if you're trying to be someone that you're not, if you're trying to be perfect, that they can sense that there, mm-hmm. the, the misery that lies beneath that will seep out in lots of different ways, whether it's the rage, right. Or something else. And so I think that's a really good way to take some of the pressure off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, wow. This was such yeah. a great conversation. Sue. Um, where can people find you if they want to follow up with you and get more information? So, um, my website is mommy's life coach.com. Er, I'm sorry, mommy's like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> mommy's life coach. Um, and my, um, Instagram handle is mommy's life coach. I also have a podcast, the outrageous mommy. And, um, yeah, that's perfect. We'll put all yeah. this into the show notes as well. Okay. Thank you so much for being here. This was such a great conversation. I love that. Thank you so much, Kim. So nice to meet you. Thank you for listening to the Imposter Syndrome Files. If you're listening to this, chances are you struggle with imposter syndrome or other confidence issues too. Please know that you are in great company. As an executive coach and former high-tech leader, I spent years battling imposter syndrome. There were times in my corporate life when I was absolutely sure that this was the moment that everyone would figure out that I didn't belong in the room. But it never happened. And through the years, with the help of research, coaching, and other resources, I've learned to help myself and others overcome self-doubt and advance our careers with strength and confidence. If you'd like to continue this conversation, please join my Leading Women Facebook group, where women of diverse roles, levels, and backgrounds come together to ask questions, share challenges, and support one another in a safe, trusted space that's difficult to find in the workplace. Check out the link in the show notes for more information on how to find us. And please join us again next week for another episode of the Imposter Syndrome Files.